Freedom is the right to decide for yourself. What are you mumbling over there? Are you even aware of the time in which you find yourself? Because today's freedom is the possibility of clicking on thousands of channels, downloading free porn. It's basically doing stuff that you're not going to get punished for, and that's all. And the human herd has already embraced this completely. You cannot possibly imagine how insanely much payola we shelled out to guarantee this idea would take hold. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Facts versus Rhetoric. Thank you very much for joining us today. After the last episode on the hierarchy of knowledge, I reached out to my friends at TMI Podcast with Tony and Michelle and just asked for some feedback uh, on the episode. And Tony texted me and said, you know, he wouldn't mind me opining further on what I considered freedom and what must be true for someone to experience freedom and the concessions that can and can't be made. And I texted him back. I said, hey, give me some questions and give me some homework to do. We ended up speaking on the phone for about an hour, and with Tony's help, it dawned on me to devote some time to the building blocks of freedom. We talk a lot about that topic on this podcast, and I have never defined it. And after speaking with Tony, I was also reminded of the fact that everyone thinks differently, and everyone has different definitions of these high-level concepts. So let's get into the weeds with the F word today. Getting challenged to explain yourself really helps me uncover all the building blocks of knowledge that go into a concept that you forget about, right? The, the blocks that you take for granted, the knowledge that's in there, but you don't really think about it. And going through that exercise really exposes what's under the hood of your beliefs and it helps people understand what you actually mean. And the more you discuss and peel back that onion, the less assumptions can be made. We started with the what we think we know. Then we went to what we think we meant by things. And by the end of the conversation, I think we had a better understanding of each other and what we were actually talking about. And hopefully today I can explain my take on a high-level concept of freedom and provide reasons to advocate for it. And I'm going to be using what I've learned through books and my education, my own personal experience, and to make sure that jives with object reality. I said last episode that if you asked voters, hey, do you want to make your own decisions? 90% of them would say yes. And when I thought more about maybe changing that question to do people value freedom and actually want it, that's a totally different question with a totally different answer. And I don't think it is true that the majority of people in this country want freedom and value freedom. I mean, that may be true if people understood the value of freedom and liberty. Maybe that they would be better off living in a system where the government protects their freedom if they understood the value of freedom. And that is hopefully what I could make the case for today. So what is the value of freedom? And before we get going on that, we need to define some terms. So here's how I would define freedom and liberty. I look at these two words as synonyms and they can be used interchangeably. Freedom is the absence of obstacles, impediments like chains, something like shackling you down, holding you down. To be free is to be free of something. To be free of obstacles is really where I end up going back to. And the two biggest obstacles throughout history are obedience and authority. 
to obey authority politically, morally, philosophically. They are the supreme ruler of what you're allowed to do. And examples in the past would be a king or a pope, right? You must follow what they say without question, can't argue, must obey them or else. So that brings us back to the dark ages, right? Just accepting things without question, that blind obedience, where the objective of your life is about obedience to a king, uh, a pope, a religious leader, that sort of thing. That's the whole object of your life is just strict obedience to who's ever in charge, whatever authority is in charge. So when I talk about preserving our freedom, I'm advocating for no more obstacles, limiting new government laws and regulations. Because I feel if we look at every new law as an erosion of our freedom, then maybe we'd pay better attention to what the lawmakers are doing, right? Forcing people to buy an electric car is in my mind a major obstacle. Forcing people to turn down their thermostats, to not put on their air conditioning, or to not charge their battery in their car at certain times is a major obstacle. And I'm not saying we shouldn't pass any laws, but I think it's imperative to take the introduction of new obstacles to our freedom very seriously, while also thinking long and hard about if that obstacle could create a dangerous precedent in the future. I am always skeptical because I don't hear the lawmakers and the authorities in our country ever talk about preserving our freedom or limiting their own powers. So back to the new question of the day, do all people desire freedom? If we look at the last hundred years, the answer is definitely no. Most people do not desire freedom. We can look back in history, just recent history, right? The rise of Nazism was welcomed by many people in Germany. Hitler was voted into power. Hitler was very transparent. He already wrote his book, Mein Kampf. Everyone knew what he wanted. He wanted a dictatorial powers. He told everyone, I want to be your dictator with enormous power, will be concentrated in the head of the government, which would be me. So I would say most people in Germany did not desire freedom. And the same can be said for a lot of people in the East over that time, right? Socialism and communism in the 20s and 30s in Russia and, the, and later on in the 40s and 50s in China and then into Africa in the 60s and 70s. Right? You don't welcome in socialism and communism if you desire freedom. But these were popular movements where people wanted them, thinking they would be better off if they went with communism. And the whole point here is, again, no one was trying to hide anything. People were choosing this. Karl Marx was telling you to your face he wanted a dictatorship of the proletariat, which is the working class. The fact that freedom's value is not self-evident, I think, really highlights the importance of, of understanding its actual nature and value, especially in those of us interested in living free. So the last 100 years, people did not desire freedom. People wanted authorities in their lives. Those people think you can't function without some authority telling you what to do, without some authority to be obedient to. You have to go back to the Age of Enlightenment, a period where you can say without a doubt that the majority of people desired liberty and desired freedom. Back then, you can find men who desired those things, who were working to achieve it, working on the means to secure it, in their own nation. 
freedom and liberty became a dominant political idea, a dominant cause that all the leaders were talking about, all the philosophers were talking about. The John Locke's, the Isaac Newton's, the Thomas Jefferson's, like these guys had a specific goal in seeking freedom and liberty. So you have to ask why. Well, let's revisit the meaning of freedom. Freedom is the absence of obstacles, impediments, change, something shackling you, holding you down. To be free of obstacles. And the obstacles, obedience and authority. The founders wanted freedom from an overreaching king. So it's no surprise that the men of that era were all about freedom and liberty and preventing their government, the one they're going to create, from getting too big. The men of the Enlightenment are rebelling against the concept of unquestioned supreme leaders or an infallible religious leader, rebelling against the idea that the objective of life is to be obedient to some authority. And that is what sparked a massive inflow of immigration into our country in the early 18th century. Rich people and poor people from all over the world came to the United States for freedom. And not just for economic freedom either. They were seeking freedom from their own cultures, which were very authoritarian. No more arranged marriages. It was illegal in some countries to go swimming. Right? People wanted to be free of the power hierarchy that cannot be questioned. They came here to be free of those obstacles, follow their dreams. Hey, maybe marry someone from a different culture, race, or religion. But not everyone left. Yeah, millions of people came over here, but more, many more millions stayed put. Those who did not leave stayed because they wanted that kind of obedience in their life. Just kind of further reinforces the notion that not everyone desires freedom. And authoritarians are great at scaring the shit out of you. You want freedom? What, freedom to break the laws? It would just be chaos. People wouldn't know what to do. It'll be just a complete breakdown of our order and society. That's what they say. And even Tony referenced the total chaos in our chat. However, I would argue that man's reason and reasoning and overall good nature would provide those guardrails naturally. And the men in the late 1700s handled it well. They built a new nation founded on freedom and liberty and it grew and thrived for hundreds of years, allowing millions upon millions of people to flourish. And the argument can be made that the human suffering started as we got further away from freedom and small government and headed into decades and decades of self-inflicted obstacles to our freedom. And today, rather than being fearful of what might happen if we have too much freedom, I'm going to try to make the case by reminding us what life was like without freedom. And then maybe you can decide for yourself on the lesser of the two evils. Back in the Dark Ages, authorities dictated facts and values. What they said goes and you can't question it. So how can you progress in that environment? And the answer is you can't. Why do you think they called it the Dark Ages? And here are two examples of how it goes when authority and power run the show rather than freedom. Let's look at Galileo. The astronomer, physicist, engineer, the father of observable astronomy. Pretty smart guy. So it's 1615, right? Galileo's like, holy shit. Hey, guys, the, uh, the Earth is rotating daily, uh, and also it's revolving around the sun. 
because back in the day, the Catholic Church was the authorities in all things space-related. Anything in the sky, the Catholic Church was the authority on what the fuck was actually going on up there. And the Pope was saying back then that everything revolved around Earth. You can't contradict the Pope. So Galileo's claims was investigated by the Roman Inquisition, which was their little partisan tribunal responsible for prosecuting people accused of crimes back then. So that brain trust concludes that Galileo's observations was foolishly absurd and heretical since it dared contradict Holy Scripture. He was found vehemently suspect of heresy and forced to recant. So he spent the rest of his life under house arrest because he would not recant because he had fucking integrity. Good job, authority, preventing the facts from actually being discussed. Okay, so that's what authority gets you. Also, another good example of this is Socrates, old Socrates Johnson, the Greek philosopher from back in the day. Socrates was the founder of Western philosophy and one of the first moral philosophers of ethical, traditional thought. Basically, his crime was he had new views on right and wrong and nature and values. Well, we can't have that. Because the authority dictates the values. The Greek authorities dictate the values. So they accused him of imity and corrupting the youth. And they sentenced him to death by forced suicide. That's the whole hemlock poison story. So you have two guys from very different times in history. But they're linked by the authorities of their era. Forcing them to silence their new ideas. Stop seeking the truth and the facts. Stop them from using reason because that was not welcomed by authority because it challenged their narrative and their power. So what did we learn from the dark times in our history? Well, one, if I was alive back then, I would have been so dead. And two, coercion is worse than useless. It doesn't do anything. No one learned anything new. Progress was prevented and everyone stayed ignorant. It's not like the authorities sat down with Galileo and Socrates and went over how they were wrong. Yes, yeah, so you see what you did there? That's incorrect because those facts, you know. So sorry you were wrong, but hey, good try. Keep up the good work. We're always looking for, for your feedback. There was no good faith debate. Authority wasn't secure in their knowledge, looking to show off how right they were and show their work. They were just like, no, you're wrong. Why? Well, because we said so. Now admit you're wrong and say out loud that we're right. You know, it's like, what a waste. And the guys in the Age of Enlightenment were like, fuck that noise. It's either freedom to think, question, and reason, or we just continue to let the authorities dictate our facts and values. And they, thankfully, chose freedom. So this led everyone to embracing freedom and arguing against coercion and why it was evil. Because they viewed reason as good. Right? People should function and act using their reason and their reasoning. You know, having considered judgments, coercion and force were viewed as bad because what it tried to do. Authority using force, using guns, using prisons, using fear to override a person's reasoning. Like, look at Sir Isaac Newton. He did all the same shit as Galileo and Socrates did. He had major scientific breakthroughs. He challenged conventional knowledge using freedom, facts, fucking science, all that shit. But lucky for him, he did it in a time when men valued reason and facts. He was fucking celebrated and given a hero's funeral. 
freedom to reason made that possible. And without that, you would have had the king of England behead him instead of knight him. It became as simple as freedom and liberty versus authority. And authority can't convince someone through power and coercion. They can scare some people into compliance, but they will never be able to convince someone with power and coercion. They didn't convince Galileo or Socrates, or they didn't convince the unvaccinated. It's the same shit. And let me try to paint the picture for all the people who had a very different experience over the last three years. Because before the national emergency was declared, we all enjoyed our rights. There were agreed upon rules, laws, due process, all the good shit that protects us, all the safeguards that are in place to preserve our rights. And then all of a sudden, the rules, the laws, the rights, the safeguards, all that shit went out the window. And suddenly, authority is coercing the people to follow their narrative. Get the shot. Don't talk to your neighbor. Fuck your dreams. Fuck your ethics. Do it for someone else. Authority started coercing people. And for me, I was not convinced by coercion. It didn't make any sense to me. And for the first time in my life, my freedom was being replaced by coercion, by force. The authorities, these unelected people, suddenly started making the rules. And here's the scary part. And I am totally fine dealing with the consequences of my actions with my family, with my peers, with my neighbors, with my fellow citizens in this country. I'm a man. I can debate my point of view. I can deal with the shit. I can deal with the consequences of my actions. My family, my friends, my neighbors, my fellow Americans can argue with me. They can disagree with me. They can yell at me. They can hate me, love me, disown me, whatever. I can deal with all of that. But authority, that's different. They can fucking jail me and throw away the key. For what? Disagreeing with their narrative. Christ, I was a domestic terrorist, an anti-vax science denier not worthy of rights. So when I talk about freedom... I'm referring to the absence of authority forcing me to do something against my free will. Now, why we're talking about this is because now that the emergency is over, we need to look at what happened objectively, and we all need to ask ourselves if we want to live in a country where authority can force you to ignore your reasoning and to make you comply. And it's hard to put yourself in the shoes of people whose freedom was under attack, but it's an exercise we all need to do. And I don't want this to sound like I'm bitching because I couldn't do the same things as other people of other obedient citizens. I'm simply trying to sound the alarm. The bad shit will happen to people if we choose authority over freedom alarm. If they have killed and silenced the best minds in history because they use their reasoning skills and facts and the scientific method, what chance do the regular people have? What chance does the many have if the few are allowed to rule and govern with authority? So when we talk about these high-level concepts of freedom, we have to understand that all of the concepts on the floors below it hold it up. Also, we have to have in our hierarchy of knowledge what happens when we don't choose freedom. 
By not choosing freedom, you're choosing authority to rule by default. Here's a good homework assignment. Try and think of a time in history where the people flourished under a ruler who governed by authority, by power, by coercion. And if you can't think of a time, that should be all the motivation you need to always advocate for freedom. So I hope that shed some light on the F word. I'd like to thank Tony again for the feedback and the suggestion to drill down a little bit into what freedom means to me. And hopefully I can have him on again soon to discuss this a little further. I hope everyone has a great day and stay free. Oh man